This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. And we are going to come back and talk about all of the people who are not here anymore. RIP. No, just kidding. They're alive. They're just not alive with the Saints. And yeah, it's it's been, you know, the, it's like the second you got to Mobile, all of a sudden, all the shoes started dropping, right? You know, Ryan Nielsen ended up in Atlanta as the Falcons offensive coordinator. Chris Richard is now no longer on the Saints. They parted ways. You know, it sounds like there was creative differences there. Let's put it that way. You know, we've already lost Dan Rochard as the tight ends coach and the run game coordinator. And Ronald Curry got an interview with the Bucks for their vacant offensive coordinator role. And so you don't know what's going to happen there. So at this point, the Saints are interviewing for defensive coordinators. They interviewed Joe Woods, who was the Browns defensive coordinator the last three seasons. He was on Dennis Allen's staff in 2014 back with the Raiders. So who knows? But it sounds like they're going to have to hire at least four coaches. You're going to have to hire a tight ends coach. You're going to have to hire a defensive coordinator, assuming that the defensive coordinator is not pulling double duty, like the way that Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard coached the defensive line in the secondary, because now you're going to probably hire a defensive line coach or maybe shift Michael Hodges from linebackers to D-line and hire a linebackers coach, one of those two things. And then you're probably going to have to hire a secondary coach. So one year removed from the buzzword being continuity, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of coaching changes that are going to be happening. And none of the coaching changes that I think most people on Twitter would have would have wanted. Uh, the, the biggest question to me, honestly, Jeff, is the fact what came up with Richard, the, they're talking about the creative differences or, or however you want to put it, you know, with suddenly now the belief of the scheme or how things are run within the defense just seems kind of odd to me. Especially, I thought I thought Richard would be a guy that might get promoted to that sole DC spot, which you know, with with Nielsen out the picture, you know, the co-defensive coordinator would now take over the, as a full time gig. But that just obviously wasn't in the cards. Yeah, I I expect to hear updates not too far down the road on Richard. I don't think that 
it was just a straightforward, like, we're going to move on, right? Um, because you wanted to keep that guy in the building. I don't, I, I think I would be very surprised if it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we want to go a different route with our secondary. Secondary has been very good the last few seasons. The evaluations, the development have all been very good. So that's a strange thing to me. And, you know, we were talking a bit about this, and this is completely hypothetical, but, like, for example, Sean Payton wanted Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator. Suddenly, Vic Fangio was the defensive coordinator with the Dolphins. Is, is the ink dry? You know what I mean? Like, is, is there going to be a situation where maybe Vic Fangio can back out and go and go hang out with Sean? And Chris Richard was one of the candidates for the Dolphins. Maybe that's kind of what's happening. And, you know... The Saints want to get a head start on interviewing, so they're like, okay, we're going to move on. And then it's just going to be uh, some some hurdles to clear before Richard can get announced somewhere else. Maybe, again, that is just a theory. But like, it's it when you see something like this and it's kind of weird and you have unanswered questions, it, it kind of leads you to believe there's a little, there's some, you know, other shoes that are about to drop somewhere else. You know, maybe Chris is like, hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Sean. I'm going to be his defensive coordinator. And, you know, you have to wait for his hiring to be made official before you can start doing that. Um, I don't think technically they could do that because they would have to do the interview process first either way. But it, it, I have a feeling there's going to be more coming out in terms of like there's a job already lined up for Chris. On another question, you, you know, you're bringing up Peyton. When he starts really getting his staff together, will he come a call him back to New Orleans to pick up some of, you know, some of the guys he's more familiar with. I think it it seems obvious, but I don't know if is there going to be any kind of understanding like Sean, you you can't just come here and and just take take away everything or take away a good chunk of Dennis Allen's staff now. Well, you can't hire people for in lateral moves. Like the Saints couldn't block those and they and Mickey already said they will. So like, for example, you couldn't hire Ronald Curry as your quarterback's coach in Denver, right? You couldn't hire him in that type of assistant role, but you could hire him as an offensive coordinator, right? So that's something to keep in mind. So technically, Sean can't have P. Carmichael. No, no, but we were talking about this on off air. So like, I do think it is an interesting question whether Pete wants to go coach with Sean because while the Saints could technically block that move, do you really want to hold somebody hostage, <laughs> right? Like, is that going to benefit you? I don't know. So like if Pete came and said, hey guys, would you mind? Because he can't just leave, right? He can't just quit. That would be breach of contract. You could get sued. But, you know, if he goes to Mickey and he's like, guys, I really don't want to be here. I'd rather be in Denver. Would the Saints hold him hostage and expect him to do a good job, right? Like that's the thing. It's like you don't only want this guy here. You want him to be working hard and, and, and doing a good job. And holding somebody hostage is not exactly a good way to do that. So that'll be an interesting bridge to cross when you get that far. But I also don't think that that Sean just wants to like bring his whole staff over to Denver either. I don't think that's the way he wants to build it. Like he wanted Vic Fangio, right? Like he wasn't just saying like, oh, I desperately want this guy and this guy and this guy. And I think Sean already has a short list of names that he's going to go after. But, you know, the from the offensive staff perspective, it is interesting because I don't want to see Ronald Curry leave, personally. I think Ronald Curry is a very good coach, and the Saints should be looking for ways to incorporate him more in a more significant role, not finding ways to convince him he has to leave to get further in his career. And that's what would frustrate me is, is if they are dedicated to Pete Carmichael, and then because of that, they lose Ronald Curry. 
Well, I mean, he's no secret. We obviously know that he's interviewed for a coordinator gig already, and that was just number one. Obviously, there's going to be other suitors in the future. I don't think anything else is lined up currently for him, though. No, and he he did. We did talk to him uh, yesterday, and he told us he had multiple interviews last year as well, which I don't think was reported. But you know, the, there's the whole Rooney, Rooney Rule thing. So I think you know one of the issues with the Rooney Rule is teams will just give you throwaway interviews because they need to satisfy that and they don't actually intend to hire you. And so like, that's when you see interviews and he's like, you know, they, they, he didn't get reported. Like they, there were no headlines saying, Oh, so-and-so team is interviewing Ronald Curry. You know, that's what you start to ask questions about. And it's like, you know, so why, why was his interview for offensive coordinator announced by the bucks? Right? Well, they need to make sure everyone knows that they satisfied that requirement. So no one asks questions about it. Right. Why, why is the saints interview of Joe Woods, the first one that gets that gets leaked. Well, whether you intend to hire that guy or not, I think a lot of teams are aware that they want it made perfectly clear that they are satisfying this requirement because they don't want to show up in a lawsuit. But at the end of the day, I do think there's a question to be asked about whether giving minority candidates nominal interviews is actually solving any problems because I don't know if it actually is. Well, I mean, look at the numbers around the league and I think it'll tell you it's not really working. No, but then, and the other question was like, okay, if the Saints, if Chris Richard did get, well, actually it wouldn't matter with Chris Richard now because they did move on. So it wouldn't even be a question, but like, so if Ronald Curry got hired as an offensive coordinator with the Saints get comp picks. And from my understanding of the rules, they would not like, that's only head coaches and GMs, which like Kerry Fontenot got hired by the Falcons. And so the Saints got two third round picks over two drafts. That would not be the case with, with offensive coordinators from my understanding. Yeah, and the thing is, too, that's a compensatory pick. It's not like the other team is forced to give up their their draft pick to the other team, right? Yeah, it's just a comp pick. It's the same like if so-and-so left in free agency and like like the Saints, I think, will be end up getting a seventh-round comp pick this year for you know some of the free agents that left. But they won't get a third-round pick like I think a lot of people would have expected after you lose Teron Armstead and Marcus Williams on these big deals. Those are offset by... Marcus May and Andy Dalton, as frustrating as that is. <laughs> like you lose these like pro ball caliber players and replace them with Andy Dalton and Marcus May and you don't get a comp pick, uh, which is strange. But I know Tehran had a rough year in Miami. I mean, dealing with injuries. It's part of the reason you let him go. Um, but here, let's, let's listen to Ronald Curry. We talked to him yesterday and uh, I thought he had a lot of interesting things to say about, you know, getting the interview with Tampa, you know, coaching at the Senior Bowl and whatnot. So here's that interview. For me, obviously, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be the coordinator. Um, the whole reason I got into coaching really was to coach young guys that are, you know, that still got a lot of development to do. Um, so we getting that, you know what I mean? Just being able to put in a system that a lot of these guys didn't hear, but they will hear one day and fine-tuning it and then being able to, like, be just the leader of men. So um, it's an honor and a privilege, and it's really what I signed up for. What did you think when you heard the uh, Sean Payton news yesterday? Uh, I mean, we knew he was going somewhere, um, you know, so I'm happy for him. I mean, he's a great dude, great coach. I mean, Denver got a great one, um, but, you know, we look forward to playing him in, I guess, 2024. You know what I mean? So he's going to do well. I mean, he's a stud, man. Just wish him the best. Do you, do you think of, like, him and Russell, what you saw him and Drew here, what do you potentially do there? I'm trying to, you know, get our quarterback situation, get our quarterback situation. So I look forward to working with, you know, Jameis and Andy and the guys that we got there. So uh, that relationship is, I'm sure, is going to be great. So I wasn't here when Drew first got here. I watched from afar like everybody else. 
but you know, Sean is one of the best to ever do it. So whoever his quarterback is, I'm pretty sure he's gonna find production out of him. What does this experience mean as far as, or being here mean as far as getting experience to maybe move up to the next level? Not just for you, but other I mean, systems too. You know, it's like you know. I want to say it's, it's not experience, it's just really showing people that you can do it. I mean, I feel like I'm more than capable to, to go out here and call plays on Sunday. I've been in the game for, you know, 11 years. I've played for eight years. So, you know, I've been around some great coaches, some different systems, and you know, I feel like I learned a lot, you know, along the way. So, you know, it's really just showing people that, you know, I can handle myself as an offensive coordinator. And, you know, the experience is great, but I feel like, you know, it's just, it's just really proving them proving to them that it's something I'm capable of doing more than like the experience of doing it. Is it kind of like a job fair being here, being able to show what you can uh, do? You know, I, I mean, I, I don't look at it as a job fair, like I'm auditioning for other teams, you know what I mean? I, I love being in New Orleans Saints and um, I, I didn't look at it like if I come out here, the teams will see what I'm able to do. Um, and just, you know, just the, pose, the, the question that was posed, like is it experience or, <laughs> or not? I just feel like it's just a, a way of proving that, you know, I'm more than capable of doing Job. I'm not auditioning for any team. I love, I love the job I got. Obviously, I want to be a coordinator in this game one day, and I feel like that time will come when the time is right. Getting the call from Tampa, does that is that like sort of the next step when you start getting those kind of calls? Yeah, when, you, when, you, when you go on interviews, it's, it's awesome. You know, I had a couple last year, and then you know this one this year, and there's, there's a lot of jobs out there. And, um, you, all, you, know, you sit back and you look at some of the guys that's getting interviewed, and just like anybody that's competitive, you know, you just want a shot to go out there and show what you can do. Um, so I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy that Tampa, you know, called and kind of got the ball rolling. I think the interview went great. So just look forward to hearing from them one way or another. You know, we don't get a lot of chances to talk to Ronald Curry, and that's only part of the interview. Um, you know, I also asked him, you know, what kind of was the major difference this year when you kind of went from Sean Payton to Pete Carmichael? And he said there really wasn't that much of a difference because the way the Saints operated in the preseason was Pete Carmichael ran the show. And he called the plays in the preseason. And then you got to the regular season. And that's when Sean kind of took over from an offensive perspective. And this year, it was basically like, okay, you got through the preseason. And then you just kept kept doing that. And all these coaches had been together for so long that it really wasn't that much of a change. Um, <clears throat> he was also asked, you know, whether he feels like he expects to be kind of more integrated into the play calling. He said, no, he, he doesn't expect that. Um he got to call plays in the Green Bay preseason game last year, and he said that he kind of expects another game like that, maybe more preseason action. But, you know, from the perspective of maybe they shift play calling and, and put him in that role, it doesn't sound like he's expecting that. Whether that could still happen, I don't know. I hope it does because I would like to see him get a better chance to lead that offense because I think that he is a very underutilized commodity on this team. I just think maybe a little too soon for Curry still to take over as a play caller. Keep getting some more experience, I guess, with those those preseason games. I know that he's gonna the the Saints need uh, an injection though of of some kind of more creativity, and I just haven't seen that at all. The, the last year's offense was tough to watch, obviously, and you can't really know how much was dictated because of quarterback play and how much was also because of the play calling. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess at what point are you ready? Like, I, I don't know. Like, he's 43 years old. He's been a coach for a decade. He played for eight years. Like, at a certain point, you just give somebody an opportunity and see what they have, right? And so... But they made it clear they're not moving on from Pete. Yeah, I, I, and I I mean, to be fair, they didn't make that clear. I guess so, right. 
Like, it's not like they came out and announced that. Like, that was reporting. Um, that was from Mike Triplett initially, and I think they didn't deny it. But, like, it's not like they came out and said, you know, we are committed to doing this exactly the same way we did last year. All that we know is they're not firing Pete Carmichael. That doesn't mean they're not going to change things. You know, he was the pass game coordinator last year. That was a new thing for Ronald. Um, and, you know, maybe they'll add more to his play. I'm not saying they're going to make him the primary play caller. I'm just saying, like, you don't want to just lose the, the coaches that you've developed, right? Um, there, are four, there were four coaches out at the Senior Bowl practices. I talked to three of them. I talked to DJ. I talked to Declan Doyle. And uh, the other one was Corey Robinson. I didn't get the chance to talk to him. But all of these guys, this is an opportunity to really kind of prove they can do the things that they already know they can do, just haven't got a chance to yet. So, you know, hopefully this is something that the Saints look at as as kind of a stepping off point for a lot of these guys. Yeah, you definitely want to uh, develop these guys. And like you say, keep them. Uh, but, you know, it's a it's a business, though, too, where – you know, it's a lot of who you know kind of deal. And, you know, later on, if somebody moves on from the Saints organization, it's all about, you know, obviously, the networking and just getting to know uh, more of the other coaches around with you. And the the Saints just seem to take prime, really take advantage of the use of the Senior Bowl to its max, not just from scouting players, but even developing their coaches with the, the situations there of interviewing the players of getting to do you know uh, more stuff on the field and getting to learn from these get to know these players on a more intimate level get to know them more personally is is huge when it comes down to the line for the future as well okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, and I think that that is a big part of this is, you know, normally in the, at the Senior Bowl, you get like 15 minutes to kind of sit with the players and you don't really have a ton of time to get a good picture. But no, these guys are on the field with them all week. They're in the meeting rooms with them. They're installing offense and defense. And, you know, that's a big, a big advantage that I think the Saints were thrilled to take advantage of. And I think that because they told us that over and over again. Um, and I, and I believe it, right? So here's one of the things that, you know, we asked Jeff Ireland, like what traits he's looking for in, in players. And, and I thought his answer was interesting. Self-awareness, you know, where, where they are in the world, you know, I mean, intelligence, uh, those are probably the two most uh, important things we're looking at just as a again we're getting 15 minutes with them sometimes I call it the speed dating rounds and you get four at a time and you got to really kind of get in there and ask these questions and then they're on the next on to the next date so um, but uh, those are two things that we're looking for yeah so self-awareness and intelligence right so I think a lot of times people get caught up in like oh you know this this guy looks fantastic on the field like he's this one percent athlete right and well, that's necessary. That's pretty much true of everybody that's going into the NFL is they're 1% athletes and they, they can make spectacular things happen. But the what separates an NFL player from a college player a lot of the time is processing speed, is understanding what's happening and understanding how to improve and how what the other team is trying to do against you. And that's not something you can always project, 
right? A lot of these offenses they're running in college and a lot of the defenses you're running in college are very simple. They are not the type of schemes you're going to see in the NFL. So you have to kind of project how players can get to that next level. And I think self-awareness is a really interesting answer in that, like, what does that mean from a coaching perspective? Like, it's it's like, how do you how do you find that in a player? And it's like, you can't fake self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, inherently, you can't fake it. <laughs> you know, like, you either have it or you don't, because if you don't have it, you are not aware that you don't have it. And, and it's kind of a funny thing to look for in, in, a, in a prospect. And, like, I think that's why when you ask, why are the Saints so invested in this process? That's why, because that's what they're looking for in players, not just 40 times and, you know, like, like broad jump scores and that sort of thing. Yeah, and just the the more time spent on the field with these guys, you know, you get a taste of their football IQ, and you know the you know the Saints are obviously looking for dialed in smart players, guys that can handle their playbook. Yeah, and and that's not true of just the Saints. No, right, exactly. That's that, that's, but it is like I think the teams that are the most consistent and in finding quality players not necessarily the 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 top 10 picks not these like you know oh man you got Tom Brady in the sixth round like those are those are rare to the point that if you're looking for them you are wasting your time and you are missing the players that are actually going to be the core of your roster right one of the reasons I think the Saints like the senior bowl is because they're more worried about building quality depth than you know, dart throws of like, oh, well, this guy, you know, he has these one or two traits. We don't like this and this, but we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna ignore that and and draft him anyway. Like they want to find the players that fit the scheme, that fit the team, so that your roster from top to bottom is quality, right? You don't you don't win a Super Bowl because your your three best players are stars, and then the next fifty are eh, okay. Like you win because one through fifty three is at a is above a baseline. And sure, if you have those three stars, you know, if you have a Pat Mahomes, right? If you have these guys who help elevate you, that's 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 great. That makes you from a contender to a Super Bowl favorite. But you have to be a contender before you can before you can get to that level. And that's what you get from these type of scouting events. Yeah, and I, I wish the Saints found more uh Cam Jordan's at defensive end than your uh your your Marcus Davenport's and your Peyton Turner. Sorry, I know it's a little, maybe a little too early still on on Turner, but um, I think we made the joke, or I made the joke uh, on a previous podcast that those guys are never going to total Cam Jordan. They'll, they'll never be able to match his total games played. All three Senior Bowl guys. <laughs> no, right? Exactly. Yes. So one of the questions that Jeff Ireland was asked was like, you know, is, is Peyton Turner, you know, what's holding him back? And he actually gave a pretty frank answer of like, yeah, he's got, he's got a hump to get over. You know, he mentioned his weight. He, like he mentioned, you know, coming into camp in shape, which, you know, it's interesting. And you, you do have to give Peyton the benefit of the doubt of like, he was dealing with a surgery last off season. It probably limited what he was able to do. But like when you're getting called out for you know your weight and your and your motivation, it's not a great sign. So hopefully that's something that as you go forward, you're gonna get a new defensive line coach. Maybe that can help spur him. But like that's not the type of answer you typically hear about a young player. You're usually getting the kind of PR like, oh, we love this guy, he works hard, blah, blah, blah. Like, so cause everything you're hearing there is magnified times ten just because of the fact that he's willing to say it in public. 
Well, I think, too, in the way Jeff Ireland said it, though, was kind of like it came across as very aggravated, obviously. I think they are frustrated. I think this team is frustrated because you spent a first-round pick on a guy and you have not got a first-round first, first round production out of him. Now, you asked about Trevor Penning, a guy who only played in three games, right, or however many it was, you know, and he got a glowing review. Like, it was like every game he was out there, he was better than the one he was before. We kept giving him more and more, and he kept picking it up and improving. And, like, that's what you're used to hearing. So, like, to hear to hear Peyton get that type of review – I think it's like this is a this is a I think this is a kind of make or break off season for him. Yeah, I think I think that's really what you're looking at here is like okay, Peyton, like, the gloves are off. It is time to either put up or shut up. And like he's like, yeah, we still the athlete's still there. The guy that we drafted is still there. We just have to see it. And uh, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting answer. And it's like yeah, like this is the year th- year three for a rookie, a first round pick. It's like if you're not productive, if you are not a starter. And, and, and forced, like, this is a guy who was getting, he was a healthy scratch last year in several games. It's a first round pick, guys. That does not happen for first round picks. So, you know, you got to see something from him. And, and hopefully you do. Hopefully, like, that's the thing. It's like, you don't say that about a guy because you don't care. You say that about a guy because you know that he has the ability to be an impact player. And for, for reasons that you can identify, he has not been able to do that. And part of that is health. But a lot of it's not health. A lot of it is doing the stuff you need to do as a pro. And so, like, that's, I think that's something that you look at this offseason and you're like, okay, can he be a first round pick quality player? This is, this is where you start. Yeah. And I think you saw it. I saw it. Obviously, the coaches saw it. The fact that an undrafted guy who's been around for a little bit now with Carl Granderson was definitely outplaying Turner. And there was no, nothing Turner was doing was able to get him on the field, even though. You felt like he should be able to, obviously, but there were other guys on that defensive line that were impeding that, if you could say. And to me, when you look at the numbers from the D-line, that shouldn't be the case either. Yeah, I mean, week 18, you were eliminated. And that still wasn't like, okay, give Peyton Turner as many snaps as he can handle and see what he can do. Like that's the po- that's where That's the point that you were at in that season with him where you didn't even like – that wasn't even like the thought process there. Like, I don't even know if he was active for that game. Like that's just not a good look. And I think, you know, there's, there's, I'm sure he was frustrated and you know, maybe, maybe when you swap out a new defensive line coach, maybe you can get a little more out of him. I think that should be a priority in in terms of who you hire. Maybe there's that kind of positive right there. There was some kind of, he didn't get along with Nielsen and hopefully the new defensive line coach can bring something out of Turner. But I got to tell you, I'm a huge Nielsen fan and I, I think just losing him uh, hurts the team uh, just for his fire his passion and what he brings and that aggressive attacking nature to this defense I, I think will definitely be missed but yeah I'm, I'm it's going to take a lot for you to sell me on Peyton Turner going into training camp this year I agree with that I think Nielsen has been a good coach what I would say is he has not his recent track record of developing young players particularly the two first round picks and Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner has not been great. You know, he did, he did great work with Trey Hendrickson. He did great work with Carl Granderson, but these are not top end athletes. These are not the guys you're drafting with the hope that they are anchoring your defense. Like, so, you know, like there's, there's a, there's gotta be a, a, like a point there where you, where you fix that. And so, you know, maybe, the guy you bring in is going to be someone who has a track record of developing these, you know, high end picks because 
that's that's the frustration point for me. It's like you have spent a lot of draft capital on one guy who, you know, maybe you bring him back in Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner, a guy who you weren't even playing last year in year two. Like that's not good. Like the the things you could have done with those picks, right? <laughs> with three first round picks and the production you have gotten out of them last year. Like that that's the the value of three first round picks. You got two and a half sacks out of those those three first round picks. You didn't even get one sack per first round pick that you used to bring in Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner. Like that's not good. Um, and so you know I I like Ryan Nielsen a lot. I think he's a good head coach. But I, I don't know if he necessarily was getting the job done in that department. I, I feel you on that. I just, um, to me, what's frustrating too, you talk about with Peyton Turner, Marcus Davenport, they're almost like the same type of player, unfortunately. And they're the clones of each other. <laughs> yeah. You got, the, the biggest problem with both of them is number one, every time it's like, are they on the field? And now the problem, even with Peyton Turner, the dude's healthy. And just still not getting it done, so that that's that's a huge concern for me. Obviously, I agree. But all right, let's uh, let's wrap up this segment. My name's Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Steve, I don't know if you if you heard the last podcast. We got three five star ratings after my rant about one star ratings. There you go. You're getting the job done. They're encouraging me to to be a whiny bitch. <laughs> and please, please, sir, give us those five stars. <laughs> there it is. All right, stick around on Inside Black and Gold. We're going to hit that live mail. All right, stick around, y'all.